0: Hey, theologues, welcome again to TheologCast. This week, we have a really great show for you. Interview with my dear friend, Walter and We talked about postmodernism and deconstruction and meditation and what is Jesus in the 21st century? Who is Jesus in the 21st century? I think you're really going to like it. Also, check out this background music. Yes, this comes to us once again from... Mr. Tyler Dumoulin. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash tyler-dumoulin. There's a link on our website, theologcast.wordpress.com. Before we get to the show today, I want to honor... And read some of the comments that we got on other episodes that we've had. Um, We always read all of your comments and I'm very grateful for them. So on the Alina Bauman Calvinism and the Tulip conversation, we had a comment from a woman named Jude Stein. She says, quite pretentious, was it not? With many jokes left unexplained and many criticisms minus debated compromises, an overly confident, financially comfortable international student, knowing not where she will be until she gets there, will inevitably be stuck in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Jude Stein is agreeing with Roger Scruton's critique of Derrida that deconstruction leaves people, to quote Bob Dylan, Complete unknowns with no direction home. Some good thoughts there. We welcome more conversation and dialogue about this all the time. And then there's another comment from the commenter wrote HCP as his name. Just regarding our uh, the episode with Cam Thiessen where we talked about his heresy of universalism. The commenter wrote, I think Molinism... And skeptical theism would have been relevant to this discussion on hell. For instance, the whole fairness complaint can be circumvented by accepting that God has perfect knowledge of counterfactuals. And then in brackets, though I certainly don't hold that there is an eternal hell. So it's a great point. Um, Molinism and skeptical theism, two uh, schools of uh, contemporary philosophy of religion that can help add a lot to the conversation of uh, universalism. Absolutely. And you can always check out our Facebook posts, facebook.com slash TheologCast, where there's always discussion going on. Here's a comment from Jesse Rintoul on the episode with Danny Grant when we were talking about how confusing the Bible is and how it contradicts itself. Danny said, this is why why the Bible couldn't have been written by humans because it's way too complicated. When Jesse says, oh, I hate this argument. Enigma implies profundity. Whoever first coined it should be forced to read through a Word document after my dog walks over my keyboard. I'm sure it would blow his or her mind. So Facebook, our WordPress, either of those places are great places to comment. Thank you for your comments. We welcome more discussion all the time. Now, without further ado, Walter Bajolson. So, hi everyone. <laughs> I'm here with Walter Bjelsson. Thank hey. you for your patience. <laughs> but here's what I'm excited about. Um, we haven't chatted in like a week or two, mm. and last time we talked, it was really awesome. So,
1: oh yeah, was that in the park? Yeah, Samuel gardens. Yeah. yeah,
0: and so the exciting thing is, um. Is that this is all, you know, not planned or rehearsed
1: or we'll just kind of we'll just kinda of see where it goes. We'll just have a good old fashioned Eric and Walter conversation. And we're just gonna pretend the mics aren't here. Mm-hmm. I'm so, cool with that. Cool. Pretend we're at the alibi room and have a good <laughs> flight of craft beer and that's of us. right. <laughs> that's a good thing to imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. Um so we have a studio audience of mm-hmm. one in, in, in Rob Bell style. His name's Dave. He's my new roommate. Say hi, Dave.
1: Mm. Hi, Dave.
0: <laughs> um, so Dave Garipian, he'll be case. he'll be listening, and he'll be on a future episode. <laughs> cool. So okay, so let's start. Actually, before the who, who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? We'll start with uh, your story. <laughs> my story about the week. What uh, you discovered about yourself?
1: Uh, about the week. Well, it was actually today. That I discovered this. Mm-hmm. It was very recent. You mean the, the type of type? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess this happened vicariously through studying about other random psychological phenomenons. But, um, I came apro- came came across the this thing called type typophobia. Typophobia is what it's called. Um, and it's basically being like having a revulsion. I people say fear but I wouldn't describe it as that. Having a revulsion at like the 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 look of certain things, like clustered holes, like weird things with strange textures and just being utterly repulsed by them. So I ever since I was a kid, I was completely repulsed by certain things, certain textures when I looked at them, like I just gagged, like I almost felt like I, I was going to puke, like just like certain things looked so awful to me. And this wasn't like dead animals or decaying skin, but I mean like Just the texture of a sponge once freaked me out when I was doing dishes in someone's apartment. Like, you know, just weird things like that. And I always thought I was a weirdo that I had this, but it turns out 16% of people have it, and it's called typophobia. Yeah, and as you are talking, I
0: figured out that I had that too. Specific specific memories of, like, textures I've seen or things seen under a magnifying glass Mm -hmm. that, like, look normal, but then you
1: see them up close, and you're just
0: horrified.
1: Yeah. And so today, I... Ended up on the subreddit <laughs> for typophobia for the community, and people post, uh, like, because it's Reddit, it's just lawlessness. People were posting all these <laughs> photos that should trigger your typophobia. And, like, I was so intrigued, I was so repulsed, but I couldn't look away. Yeah. So, I'd click on an image, and it would be like um, the lotus flower seed uh, something you'd think would just be this beautiful part of nature. But I looked at it and felt awfully repulsed. It oh, yeah. was so gross. It's, it's just like horrifying. this pod that has, like, these gross looking holes in it. And then the the worst one, and the one that I'm still feeling the after effects from, was seeing a cluster of like a tick infestation on a oh, dog's yeah. ear. So like imagine thousands of ticks clustered together in one tiny little spot, all in a dog's ear. And that just I still, when I think about it now, I'm like, Ugh. like it's just so gross. <laughs> so uh, do yourself a favor at home. Um, don't ever, don't ever search on Google. Don't go to Reddit.com/r/slash. Typophobia.
0: Typophobia. Don't go there. Don't go there right now. <laughs> um, that's sweet. That's a good story to kick it off. Okay. So, um, so, that was my day. Yeah. Wow. Dang. Yeah, that's traumatizing. I'm sure it's going to come back around. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling.
1: Well, I'm happy it's labeled. So now that it's labeled, I understand what it is. I'm right. not just a weirdo. I can set it aside and recognize what it is and just avoid looking at things that make me feel gross. <laughs> right. And you
0: and, and you don't feel weird anymore. You don't feel like, oh, this is a normal
1: fear to have
0: or a revulsion to yeah. 16% of And
1: it's time. not as bad as what it was when I was a kid, too. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I'm just happy yeah. that got figured out. Yeah, because <laughs> it
0: was a flashback for me like to, to think about that, to remember having that. Anyway, for our listeners, mm-hmm. who are you? Why are you here? And where are you going? See, it's been so <laughs> long, I uh, almost forgot the main three questions. But these are these are the, the you know core philosophical questions that have
1: haunted people for
0: years. We call them the simple questions. Answer them, get them out of the way, move on to the real <laughs> stuff. So, and I love it
1: because you interview a lot of people who studied or took some philosophy classes, and that just irks them because that yeah. those questions, <laughs> those are like the <laughs> questions. Yeah, totally. And I totally want to answer it in like some douchey, like philosophical, arrogant way, and be like, "Well, I know that I am not an inanimate object, and, and I do know that I think, and therefore, I, you know, just quote Descartes." <laughs> uh, I guess I'll do. I'll answer them practically at first. Yeah. So, my name is Walter Brynjolfsson. Um, uh, who am I? I'm a Canadian citizen, but I identify—I um, don't know—I guess as a Jesus follower primarily, mm. um, and. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Everything else, I'm still figuring out. You know, yeah, you <laughs> life are, is a process. Of figuring out. You're a Jesus
0: follower, but and, but beyond that, you're not sure.
1: Yeah, and even Canadian, I'm like, I don't, I'm, I don't even like national identities totally. really. I'm more of like a, I don't see my, like I my think, mom's from Argentina, my dad was a missionary. I, I was born in Africa. Like, I, I prefer to consider myself a world citizen, <laughs> as cliche as that sounds, but I, yeah. I think I
0: think be, being a patriotic Canadian is like just not giving a crap about your identity you know yeah like, totally
1: like or being, being a, a canadian is not caring that you're Canadian. Yeah, being
0: be, <laughs> being being a, if you're a good canadian yeah you just hate patriotism yeah <laughs> like totally. that's that our patriotism is rolling our eyes when americans go yeah fourth of july
1: and like, watching bob and doug mckenzie make fun of ourselves <laughs> yeah totally <laughs>
0: totally our kind of patriotism is just like yeah patriotism and that's yeah. it's, pa- it's patriotic to poo poo patriotism yeah
1: totally so yeah that's that's who you are yeah. Price um, follower white Anglo-Saxon male <laughs> Protestant. A real wasp. I'm a real wasp. <laughs> but that's but this is cool cuz I'm um, the most like I mean I'm I'm a white male um so it's like the most privileged yeah. Mr. <laughs> privileged. i'm like mr privileged <laughs> i have nothing to fight for really there's a, it's just everything's kind of handed to me
0: i'm reading tony jones's postmodern youth ministry right now oh this book right here yes this book right here and so um i've been going through it and he's kind of touching on all those things and i like that I, it's it's very interesting and very important to at least have that conversation whether you're like jumping aboard the postmodern bandwagon and um, or not you kind of have to do have to recognize um, your place in society and how that might impact your um, judgments or whatever
1: mm-hmm. what you've been handed whether you consented or not yeah. yeah yeah so that's who i am i guess where i am physically located in langley british columbia i've been here pretty much my entire life um, right now we're in the basement suite yeah right now we're in the...
0: From the suite oh yeah is that what you call it? just the suite actually that's what we should call it hey dave <laughs> We should we should call the place the suite. <laughs> the tall timber's suite.
1: Yeah, I like that. Nestled in the, sweet the woods of Langley. That's a bad joke. <laughs> Someone was bound to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, physically located in a suite in Langley. Yeah. And where am I going?
0: You're not gonna do location any more than or where you are. Oh I
1: guess maybe. I could say where I am in like a philosophical sense, like where I am ideologically and whatnot. Sure. Um, really briefly, I could say I'm still. You know, I know this is recorded, so it could potentially be risque. But I'm still. I, I think I'm realizing right now that I'm. I'm kind of between deconstructivism, yeah. <laughs> like deconstructing everything I knew and believed. Yeah. I'm between that and reconstructing right yeah, now, <laughs> yeah. um, which I'm actually really proud of. Uh, is intimidating at first to be in a f- period of deconstruction where you're looking at all of these belief systems that you held to be so s- true, um, and you're starting to question a lot of them. Uh, at first that was scary, now I'm realizing it's actually, it's cool, it's healthy, it's it's great. I'm challenged by all these podcasts I'm listening to lately and all these books I'm reading to think the world in a different way and talk to friends about it and get yeah. my community around and see what truth is and whatnot. And then I'm, you know, and like Richard Rohr said in, in his interview with Pete Holmes. With Pete Holmes, yeah. He said that it's vital that everyone goes into a period of deconstruction and then they build upon um what they deconstructed yeah. after. So that's I'm looking forward to seeing where I end up in my life, you know. That's sweet, man. That's so good. We'll be sure to uh
0: to post this podcast on your Baptist church's Facebook page. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Share it with all of the Baptists. So that, so that you can get in trouble. Because <laughs> you said it might be risky. Well, it's actually,
1: it's not really risky anymore because I'm no longer employed by the church. Uh, a couple months ago, it would have been something I would never have really said in a mm. recorded session. But since I'm not employed, I think, you know, I'm not speaking for the church anymore. So I'm not actually doing anything irresponsible and potentially, you know, do, going against leadership right now. Right. I'm just being honest with myself. So Yeah, that's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, cool. and um, oh, and where are you going? Ben? Yeah, Who
0: you, which you ta- alluded to now.
1: I guess so. Yeah, I'm going towards reconstructing everything. And towards Jesus. To well, honestly, You're yeah, it's funny. It, throughout this entire deconstruction, Jesus has always been on the crosshairs. He's always been the crosshairs. The i the like shooting. <laughs> no, not on the crosshairs. He's always been in my he's always been line of sight. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought you were originally. Yeah, you do, always, do, yeah. Oh, I wish I was that clever. <laughs> Oh, man. Has he I like that. Jesus on the crosshairs. Has, cross
0: <laughs> has he always been on the cross, or has he always been off the cross? Really? Oh, for me, off the cross. He's resurrected, okay.
1: man. Like, that's been a big part of my entire deconstruction is, the, like, just – I've been – I guess we'll get into that more later, but a lot of praying and meditating and just, like, encountering Jesus in ways wow. I've never felt before, resur- Where yeah. and specifically his resurrection and – the feeling, the power, and depth and beauty of that.
0: Oh gosh! So
1: it's like I'm deconstructing everything that is peripheral to the fact that Jesus is the center of my being. So wow. <laughs> I haven't gone to the point yet where and I'm deconstructing him, and I don't think I ever will, because he's like he is the bedrock.
0: Is it possible that Christ? I know this is sometimes uh, heresy, but but is it possible that that Christ is the is the impetus for deconstruction? You know, in <laughs> Romans, in Romans it says Christ is a stumbling block to Mm. the jews right and so i think anyone who has that kind of like pharisaic religion or 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 just just has something that they just believe because it's convenient or whatever like christ is a stumbling block to that like oh totally
1: like if you look at all those like radical christians like shane claiborne for example yeah yeah. you know the type of people who took like the message of jesus and really read it for what it is and decided to take exactly what he was saying seriously like that kind of does deconstruct a lot you know because you're suddenly saying like wait a second like I should give my coat if someone, you know, like, I don't know, like all those things Jesus said that are outlandish. You're like, wait a second, maybe I should treat people with that kind of crazy love and trust. And when you do that, it tends to, I don't know, maybe especially in the North American evangelical kind of paradigm, it tends to shift things away from (laughs) kind of what it is now. The dogmatic sort of. Mm -hmm. um, Vote for Republican. Because we have
0: all these great theological ways around all of Jesus' parables, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, all these nice ways that we can interpret them to make us feel more comfortable or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, when he said to the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, uh, it's a specific, you know, thing for, like, one guy. And, uh, you know, if you look at it theologically and, and kind of, like, you know, this dude, and it really means that you're just supposed to love God more, more than you love everything. But what if it just means that you're supposed to sell everything <laughs> and give it to the poor? <laughs> you know? Who knows, right? mm I'm not I'm not advocating that. I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. But but I guess he said it to that dude and I do agree that not everyone's supposed to do that mm-hmm. and that but but wealth was a stumbling block for that guy and how do you know it's not a stumbling block for you
1: till you sell it all. <laughs> yeah, well I don't know. I and and I guess what I mean also is just, like, the general message, like, the overall message that Jesus seemed to have. It seems to conflict with things like... Like, I don't know. When, when I saw that debate at Trinity Western where they had, um, uh, what's his name? Justin Lee, is that yeah. his name? And uh, yeah. I forget the other man's name, but there was a debate yes. about um, traditional versus, like, affirming gay marriage mm-hmm. um, in the Christian church. Yeah. And one of Justin Lee's main points was, like, sure, if you take the Bible, um, if like, it's almost... Like he he almost seemed to admit that you can't really have a biblical like a purely biblical interpretation that affirms gay marriage, but if you look at Jesus's overall like just his his the way he accepted people the way he you know the way he loved people the way he just conveyed himself and his general message I, I don't know he he seemed to say that he thinks that Jesus in today's context would be okay with it I mean that's always you know just like that's a danger in itself, yeah. putting him in another culture in another time. But I don't know. That's kind of where I am right now. It's like Jesus, not the the stuff around him right now. Yet I've deconstructed, but I still have him at the forefront. So. Yeah, and 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 I I would I would affirm that too. There's all sorts of different
0: positions and peripheral issues that we can look at, but but at the core, you know, are you being transformed? And so this is r- really good because I think this episode is going to be about you know postmodernism de- <laughs> deconstruction ism and uh and um yeah and and then possibly we'll talk about reconstruction. We already gave a pretty good uh,
1: outline though of like we haven't even said where I'm going yet. Oh. Have I we? thought it was just towards Oh yeah, yeah, that was kind of yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But but yeah, no that's right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's un- but but that but yeah, that's <laughs> Everything else is actually kind of boring anyway. So that's pretty much yeah. That that's it where I'm going is to Christ. There we go. But good. Okay. So I have a good question for you because this is something that
0: that bothers me or that they get people a lot of times in the, in the postmodern context, we talk about um, deconstruction and, and we we all have this sort of vague future that we're heading towards. Right. And people say, Oh no, no, it's not about rules or about, you know, dogma or about theology. It's about Jesus. And then the, the, the criticism of that is always which Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Right. So, We could talk about that, which Jesus, (laughs) if you want. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there has to be some kind of, because we talked about deconstruction, but at the end of the day, there has to be some sort of direction. (laughs) If you're heading in a vague direction that you call Jesus, which is like um, interchangeable with, say, um, uh, tax cuts, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh and and affirming private property mm-hmm. as it is for some people then that's going to be different for the from the person who says it's just jesus and by that they mean like marxist revolution or something like that right so
1: well i love how you said we're going to talk about postmodernism too because in a way like my perspective is a bit subjectivist cuz yeah like i'm going <sighs> to Right now, I'm not at a place where I feel I can say like the the, the idea of Jesus that I'm pursuing is the the Jesus for everyone. I don't oh, yeah. know. It's it, it almost like it's like the personal experience of who yeah. the Jesus I've encountered in my life and what resonates as most truthful with me, and that would be the Jesus that comes across as the one who, almost without any fear or any mistrust, just goes out, you know, and just like meets people where they're at and and spends time with those who are rejected by society and shows love that we couldn't have even fathomed to people like that. And the Jesus who was, you know, willing to actually die out of pure unrefined love for other people. And then the Jesus who rose from the dead, conquering all like negative perceptions, all labels that we have on ourselves, all all these things to just be like an emblem of love. So like that's the Jesus that personally resonates wow. with me. You know, and that's the one that yeah. I really and and I'll, yeah, you, you could go into more detail about what that exactly looks like. Um,
0: yeah, and I'm sure we will. So, but but the biggest thing you, you're mentioning then is love, and and that's mm-hmm. and that's what Christ said was all, all the commandments kind of hang on is just love. Like if you're reading the Bible, the whole point of this whole thing is love, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so so if that's if that's your Jesus, I think you're you're doing pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm. And I also got really caught up recently on the whole idea of logos, because. Um, you know, Jesus is the word made flesh, and so I looked into what, like, I just, I, because I'm reading, um, Robert Persig's, is it Robert Persig? Yeah, Robert Persig's Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and I don't want to ruin the ending for Dave, because he's still reading it, but at the end, he talks about, um, Logos, and th- about the ancient Greek concept of what Logos was, and then I looked into, like, I found some essays online on how that influenced the gospel of John, and the writer of John, and what his idea of Logos was when he wrote it, and, and so if, if Logos is made flesh in Jesus, we have to understand, okay, what did the author mean by Logos? And so, you know, in the brief research I've done into that, I'm just blown away by like, you know, the people who influenced the gospel of John, uh, the guy who wrote it, um, were like people like a philosopher named Philo, um, who came after Socrates. He was a Jewish Hellenistic philosopher who wrote a lot about Logos. And then also before him, there was Heraclitus who wrote a lot about Logos. And the idea of logos being this like it's almost like taoism it's like the tao it's like it's hard to explain it's like this idea that comes up almost all over the world in different religions but it's it's like the it's like this thing that exists out there that is excellence that's virtue that's like it's like the stuff that socrates was trying to point to i guess wow. and um but in like a in like an eastern kind of way so like in a in a way that's like almost it's uh, the
0: the is it is it like the um foundation of existence or something yeah like
1: the well it's like philo described it as the reason that prevails and and like exists in everything mm. um in in the sense that like the like just yeah the the overarching i guess rationality logic reason that god implanted into the world i guess i don't know but there's yeah. different def- that's descriptions of Lewis, so but anyway so you said s- s- you're getting into christ uh
0: and this is really Fun because I wrote my paper on this, my final paper for my final philosophy class about objectivity and subjectivity, and uh, so this is exciting for me. You said that that uh, um, you're you're not looking at it in an objective sense anymore. You're looking at it in a subjective, uh, like your faith is very subjective. It's personal experience with Christ, and that may be different for different people, right? Mm-hmm, and and yeah. so and that and that's fascinating to me because. This Dao, um, that—that's I think what's going on when the word, the world, the reason, the objectivity uh, becomes flesh, becomes subjectivity, yeah. becomes a person, hmm. becomes something you can see and feel and touch. Like that's fascinating.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. That's why this one time when I discovered exactly, wh- like. I'm still pinning this down, but when I saw that this is kind of what what John was going at. Or, sorry, I'm losing my biblical scholarly knowledge here. Was it John who wrote the Gospel of John? I know it wasn't John the Baptist, but it yeah, was, it was
0: John. Okay, yeah, so the beloved disciple.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, so John. Yeah, so now that I have a better understanding, I feel of what he meant by logos. It blows your mind because yeah, it's it's. When I just got so excited. It's one of those realizations that you hear all the time, but when you hear it like really and you really feel it, yeah, it, does, yeah. it, it resonates in your soul. Yeah. But this idea that that like the the thing that God. Basically, the thing, that the the T loss, the thing we should strive for, like the good that exists out there, the thing Where that Socrates looked for, the thing that everyone looked for, the thing that the entire religion of Buddhism, you know, yeah. and, and Taoism and Confucius talked about, yeah, yeah like yeah. the thing that we all strive for yeah. was personified in Jesus for us, yeah, incarnated, yeah. incarnated, yeah. So it was just it's, it was a really powerful realization because I was it's kind of easy in a way cause then you're suddenly like oh I just have to look at Jesus to see the answers now but it you know it's, it's not though because it's like I don't know it's just so powerful you know suddenly it's like, personified and it, it becomes personal and you can delve into this relationship with that so what is yeah
0: sorry just yes to everything that you said <laughs> um what what when you when you look to Jesus and maybe this touches on you know practice of meditation and things we've talked mm-hmm. about but when you talk about now you know I don't need uh all I need now is Jesus, you know, because the everything, the, the the reason, the the whole world, um, maybe even in the New Age sense, like the universe. Yeah, you, know? you could if even you put it that The yeah. universe is giving me a sign. The universe is, is, is incarnated as Christ. Um, and you said, all I have to do is look to Christ. Um, what does that look like, to look to Christ? What does that even mean, to look to Christ, you know? Does it, like... How do you? How do? You, how does one look to Christ?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. And that's a question. One of the reasons why I've been in this phase of deconstructivism is because I, you know, listening to podcasts like the Liturgists has. It's not that they have influenced me necessarily, but I've re- listening to it. I'm like, this is totally what I've always believed. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like oh, it's like I fell into what I've always believed, and um, but the 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 stuff that i'm learning about like just reanalyzing and looking at how how i interpret biblical authority in my life so that those questions have been coming up mm-hmm. and like with that i start to think well and then how do i look at the stories of jesus in the gospels and and so who is jesus and how do i feel like you're asking me like how exactly you know it's it's, it's made complicated now because it's like I'm still figuring out all these yeah. things that were taken for granted before, yeah. you know. I'm I'm going back to the basics. But. Yeah, and I'm sorry for asking you the biggest question in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, for me right now, lately, it's been a whole lot of meditation. Yeah. And um uh and actually I've never read scripture as much as I have now, even though I don't take scripture as seriously anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> really but, hard, but it's, I mean, it's, it's weird. But. Yeah, so let's unpack that first before okay. we dive into meditation, because I want to hear about
0: stories about meditation. Okay, and your success with that. But first, let's let's unpack that <laughs> that comment. I don't take the Bible seriously anymore because here's something that Townsend said. Uh, who's a professor at Trinity Western, and that's that's really helpful. He says you don't read the Bible literally. You read the Bible seriously, and he dichotomizes oh, those beautiful. two things, right? So when you say I'm not taking it seriously anymore, you're saying L- you're not no, taking li- it literally anymore. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. Yeah, um,
0: but you're ta- but you might be taking it more seriously than ever.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I- I'm like, hmm. yeah, I guess, yeah.
0: But let's un- let's unpack that.
1: Like, what. What is some what is a way you would have read a Bible the Bible before and what's the way? okay you read it now I can give you a classic example. I had this moment when I was sitting on the porch reading Ecclesiastes and it was after I'd started to formulate potentially a new perspective on what bi- the bi- what role the Bible plays in my life as an authority how authoritative it is like whether it is a direct word of God and we need to like interpret it that way or whether it's written primarily by humans who then um, you know who are over the years and throughout the scriptures basically, um uh influenced more and more by the holy spirit uh, like so i'm like thinking about how do i interpret it and i was reading ecclesiastes this one time and it was funny i read this passage i don't remember i think it was ecclesiastes 3 and it um said something about like sucks to be a wealthy person cuz uh, all the all the work that they put into making that money goes you know it's meaningless and then they end up just having to give the money to people who actually need it or something like that. I don't remember yeah, right. that I like paraphrasing. How, how
0: unfortunate that a wealthy man has to give his money to a poor person.
1: Well, well yeah, but it's almost like haha jokes on the wealthy person yeah, cuz okay. his money actually ends up going to someone who is doing something purposeful. Anyway, so I was reading that, and I was like, ha that's totally my other friend, X. And I was thinking, you know when you read the Bible, and you're yeah. like, oh, this totally applies to that douche. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. <laughs> you know, like, people do that all the time, and I was yeah. totally doing that. Um, and um, I was like, oh, this totally would show him. And, um, anyways, so and, – and then I realized – oh, what was my realization? I was basically – like, whereas before, I would read it and be like um, – okay, this is written, it's in the Bible, therefore it is God's word, therefore I need to understand this, like, how does this specifically apply to my life right now? Like, how have, how can I realign my life to what this is saying right now? But now, when you, when you look at it differently, I, I was suddenly thinking, like, wait a second, but maybe, since this might be primarily just written by men, maybe I just need to see it as, like, this beautiful, wise thing that was written that has, it's seeped with wisdom, but isn't this, like, puppeteering kind of Authoritative um, yeah. word that I have to follow because it's directly from God. Right. So suddenly I'm like caught in this tension where I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is, if this is, um, yeah. Like, like basically the way you interpret it suddenly changes. You're like, do I have to wrestle with this more now? And you're yeah. like, yeah, I do because it's written by people. So now I have to figure out, and it becomes more subjective then because it's not like this objective, the word of yeah. God. It's like, okay, humans wrote this back then, um, and it's wise, it's amazing, and like, do I have to wrestle with it and see if it yeah. applies to my own? Life.
0: Like, like the artwork of God or something, you know, where you're like, What does that mean? And what's this theme? And is there symbolism and mm-hmm. you know, like and you're drawing out things based on your own experience and mm-hmm. wow Yeah, that's a cool that's it's cool.
1: like whereas before I'd think of it as like the judge of God, as like right. someone like lording over rules the, over the me- manuscript And the, I'm uh, I'm speaking as though in, in a very negative way, God. but I never perceived it negatively before and I don't think of it as bad to interpret the Bible that way. I think that's a beautiful thing, but um but yeah, now I'm suddenly like wrestling mm-hmm. with it like anything I read now, I'm like okay, since I believe this is, or I'm starting to think it's primarily written by humans, now I have to think, okay, how does this apply to my life? You know, what do I keep? What do I reject? And that's where it becomes very, you know, people would yeah. say, oh, you're going to follow, st- it's right. a slippery slope, straight yeah. into hedonism. The Bible,
0: you look at the Bible, and in, in that way you can just sort of take what you like and leave what you don't like, and it just mm-hmm. becomes God in your image or whatever.
1: Yeah, but, you know, so far that hasn't been the case for me. Like, I, I still revere it as an extremely wise... Work and it's amazing how pretty much all of at least New Testament like Christian moral guidelines I find are so wise and so true. Like there's so much truth in a lot of the guidelines. Like I think a lot of people if they start to reinterpret the Bible this way, so that they see it as primarily human written, um, they start to think, well then I'll just have premarital sex because you know <laughs> yeah. whatever. Then, you That's know I don't have to worry about one. those rules and it. yeah.
0: But I'm yes here. I can
1: masturbate yes yeah totally right. <laughs> But then you can think about it as like wait a second but there's still a lot of wisdom here like wait, okay maybe there's a, and then you st- so basically like I'm still I'm going to hold strong to the idea mm-hmm. that I should wait until marriage and not because now it's not because there's a rule that I'm following by by force but it's because I'm choosing out of my own like I'm like wow this is a really good idea and I'm and I'm I'm basically adding it to my own self-made roster of mm-hmm. of moral guidelines mm-hmm. and the reason being that I see there is a lot of wisdom in that from seeing personal experiences with people I know who have maybe broken the rule and the effects it had on their lives and
0: you're you're not um being kind of guided down some sort of rigid moral checklist of things to do but rather you're being transformed in the very like core of who you are is Mm -hmm. it would that be an accurate yeah kind of way to flesh that out like
1: I, i think that's been something god's been working in my life all my life like it's not like yeah suddenly that i have this new interpretation i'm like yeah no it's
0: yeah, it's almost like a head and a heart thing, or, or again, a, a, an objective subjective thing. You know, there can be this external thing bearing down on you, but until you bring it down into your, that you in your mind are like, oh, I shouldn't do that. But, but if if you can read the Bible in a kind of the way you're reading it, it sounds to me like it's actually affecting a transformation in you, and you're saying, wait, I'm not gonna, you know, objectify women or hurt this person, another person, not because. God will be angry or there's some kind of rigid mm-hmm. limitations but because like why would I want to do that? Yeah. And somehow the Bible is influencing
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways. And it's part of the reason that I was one thing that motivated me in this was I heard this quote from Science Mike who's, you know, in the podcast. The guy, yeah. yeah. Um he he made this quote that he he found in a research journal somewhere that um uh, atheists tend to have, they hold to their moral guidelines more than evangelical Christians in North America. Um, and the reason why, and fun, first of all, it co- goes counter to everything I was told as a kid, because I always assumed, oh, it's, if you don't follow the Bible's moral guidelines, you'll fall straight into hedonism, you know? Like, that's what you're told, basically. <laughs> right. That's like this that's fear-mongering right. from your upbringing. Yeah. Um, Stop but,
0: reading from the Bible for one night <laughs> You become a murderer. Yeah,
1: yeah, but um, atheists tend Which to hold... <laughs> Oh, totally, yeah. I've killed six people by now. <laughs> I stopped reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I'm... One night. One night, stopped reading it. Uh, so many dead people. No, anyway. um, <laughs> um
0: <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> it's just, I'm just picturing. You put the Bible down and the next morning there's bodies everywhere.
1: And you're like, what have I done? You wake up with a hangover it's, and you're a stupor. <laughs> it's just an evangelical <laughs> yeah. nightmare. yeah (laughs) Yeah, totally Uh. um oh yeah so i was gonna say that um atheists hold to their moral guidelines more because they've personally owned their moral guidelines they've had to choose their own guidelines because they don't believe in an in a deistic being Mm. you know kind of lording these guidelines over them they have to choose their own guidelines and when you choose your own guidelines you're more likely to stick to them because you've personally owned them and, and held yourself to them um and a lot of people – like, I mean, before I would have said, oh, I'm choosing these guidelines because I'm choosing to follow scripture as literal. Right. And, um, but really, I wasn't, like, deep in my heart, like, I'm going to follow this because it's just – I don't know. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm 100%. So in a way, what's going on now is now it's becoming more personal um, in, in a way. And we'll yeah. see. I don't know. It's all still a journey.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's so good, though. It sounds like a journey to me. It sounds an awful lot like a journey towards adulthood, right? Mm, like a, yeah. when you have a child, the child needs to know the limits and the rules and the, um, the boundaries and what's right and what's wrong. And if they don't, if they do something wrong, they need to have their hand slapped so they don't do it again, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but as that child matures, you you sort of the parent sort of backs up and la- allows the child to uh, make decisions for himself and to go to that party and you know experiment and and, and slowly so that they can decide for themselves it sounds an Mm. awful lot like that
1: well i love it because now suddenly i'm like personally feeling it out and finding out what brings me to my sense of shalom or like you know peacefulness you know like if i if i drink a lot one night i just don't feel good the next day you know and i don't feel good as a person like and if i never do exercise i don't feel good like if i like you know those all those you know, it's not like I'm going to slip into hedonism because I, s- I straight up know what makes me feel good. And now I'm realizing, like, I love, like, I pray more and I read more of the Bible now than I ever did before because I'm realizing that I, I really want to because it actually makes me feel good and it's yeah. and it seems right. And it really wow. makes me feel like I'm connecting more with God and it's not something that I'm just doing out of necessity because of some universal law that, that I see as, like, um oh, yeah. And that's not to say there is no universal law. It's just to say that, I'm making it my own personal.
0: um, Whoa, dude, the Tao is becoming flesh in you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But now now, the biggest fear in all this, the biggest fear is pride. I think it's very easy to slip into pride with this. And I, and I'm, I'm, that's the biggest concern I have in this. So I try to pray about that as much as I can too, because I, you know, you see that all the time with like existentialist philosophers and stuff is, you know, People who decide to own and build their own moral guidelines, and uh-huh. then they get all stuck up, and they're like, oh, yeah, I figured it out for my own. Look at you! You're still like, you know, watching TV." The vulgar and, many, yeah, yeah, the vulgar masses. You know, every philosopher yeah. seems to talk that way. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm above the vulgar masses, and which we are. <laughs> I got a minor in philosophy, though. I'm actually yeah. better than yeah. a business major, yeah. hiding the fact yeah. that I'm actually a business major. Um, <laughs> Yeah,
0: y- yeah, but yeah, that's, that's the, a really that's good the concern and is- pride and, and 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 also I, I yeah I want to
1: because
0: I said you know there's something about like that the Tao the word being made flesh and then in you like this external law being made flesh being coming incarnated inside of you that's really fascinating but that's again along mm-hmm. with your statement about pride as not to say that you're Jesus but rather that Jesus lives in you and mm-hmm. is transforming and conforming him conforming you to Himself.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Right. Which is really cool because. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's rad. Hmm. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the like. There's always the possibility that I'm not gonna like. I'm gonna like. That's the thing with meditation that I think is sketchy. There is a, the danger with meditation is that it becomes a self gratifying thing. I think, and that's a lot of what it is with New Age spiritualists, yes. is they don't meditate to do something towards, an, you know, to serve something external like God. They meditate to expect to be served through meditation. Wow. And I think that's, as soon as you get into this deconstructivism like I'm in right now, I'm I'm weary of that because I don't want to allow it to become like, okay, well, I'm going to meditate because it feels good and it serves me. I I still do believe in a God, and I still do believe in, in a risen Savior. So I, it's like... How can I serve him in my meditation? And how can I make it so that I conform more and more to him? So, yeah. Yeah. That's the hope is that I conform myself more and more to this Tao, to Jesus, to the Logos that yeah. became flesh. You know, yeah, <laughs> like <yeah. laughs> I don't even know anything about Taoism. I haven't even read uh, <laughs> that book. What is it? Tao? Oh, I don't well, know. There you go.
0: Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so good meditation. Yeah. Um. Ooh, yeah. And this is really cool. I, 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 I like what you're saying. It's it's like there's two ways to meditate, you know? And the one is the one is, you know, to, to puff yourself up and the other is to
1: kind of kind of submit towards towards God. And the thing is <laughs> it's so challenging because like once you really get into meditating, it's a very pleasurable thing. Like it's yeah. something you actually really it yeah. it feels good, it relaxes you, it helps you stabilize yourself in wow. the day. So it's 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 even if you're doing it to serve God, it's so pleasing to yourself that you're like, wait, I'm here to serve you, God, but this is so enjoyable. Yeah, (laughs) You know, so it's like... He's like the reason for our existence, you know, so we're like connecting to... Well, and it's the same as like going to an evangelical, like, Baptist church service and worshiping at a church service where, you know, it's constantly you have to be in that tension where you're thinking, okay, am I doing this because it feels good or am I doing it because I actually want to enter into a space of, like true and proper worship towards our god right so it's like meditation oh my goodness i could go on and on about man it like you know that those feelings when you're in a really good worship service and yeah. you feel it's like connection with god yeah. it's like yeah. pentecostal charismatic all yeah. around you or something yeah, yeah. you know and you just, just feel so good
0: the, the, the environment
1: feels holy yeah like that happens in meditation when you get really into it yeah and so you get in into it's you know the feelings the jesus tingles <laughs> yeah <laughs> they happen man so it's like you know oh yeah and it, it comes yeah because you're connecting with i actually oh the coolest thing is i discovered like it was a week ago so lately i i mean when i really started trying to do meditation i still only did it once or twice a, a week mm-hmm. because it's you know it seems like you know it's hard to motivate yourself to do it, mm-hmm. it seems like a waste of time um and but what
0: sort of is your method what do you kind of like
1: uh, I've developed my own – well, actually, I, I really got into meditation because I read a book called How God Changes Your Brain, yeah. uh, recommended to me by the podcast, the liturgists, um, and, or Science Mike. Ask Science Mike. Anyway, so the book is amazing. I'm reading through and it's talking all about how meditation and prayer and spirituality pr- affects your brain. Um, and one of the things he talks about is – well, he goes on all sorts of rants about how it's amazing. Meditation, like he's – he like the, the, the scholars who wrote this are scientists. They're like – they have medical – they're MDs, and they've, they've proven basically through research that meditating is an extremely good thing to do for your brain. Yeah. Um, but one of the things they, – they go into like different techniques, and they, they recommend different prayer and meditation techniques. So I've kind of tried those, but I've, I've almost created my own personal style of meditation. I like um, this.
0: Forget the Ignatian spiritual exercises. I oh, I want to get into that in eventually too, though. Exercises.
1: Yeah, by no means follow me as give like me a guru. Give, give it to me, man. Uh, okay, well, basically, what I've been doing lately, and I've been doing this now every night for the last like three weeks. Wow! And it's been amazing. Is um, I I start I'm going through the Book of John right now, so I'll read a segment, usually like maybe half a chapter, depending on what I'm feeling, whether I need to read more or not, and then I just I take the gist of the message from that s- uh-huh, that section, uh-huh. um, and I I just I, I basically let that soak in, and yeah, then yeah. so after I've read it and contemplated it a little bit, I then set my timer for ten or fifteen minutes. And some nights I've done up to twenty, and then I just I just like straight up meditate like meditation style where you try to completely empty your mind. Uh-huh. But you, like what I do is I touch my fingers with my thumb, and I usually say f- like things repeatedly, repeatedly. Yeah. Um. So like once I did, he has risen, he has risen. And so that's for each really syllable, for you me.
0: touch a different finger to yeah, your thumb. Yeah. Exactly,
1: and that's been proven. That's an old meditation technique. Yeah. It's been proven. Well, the research on this is amazing that just doing that alone is uh, I, I'm not going to get into the science of it all because I don't know a whole lot of it, but, yeah, it, but it's, but it's very good for science, Mike and
0: the liturgists or read this
1: book, how God changes your brain, oh, the way it go. talks about the like it, it helps you with focus. It helps you with improving your mind's capacity to k- retain memories. And, and it's, you know, just having that like repetitive thing happen really Remove stress in your life. It's weird. It, meditation is just this trippy thing that I don't even know how to begin explaining. It's like spiritual experiences you can't really describe them yeah. with language. But so my technique is yeah, i read the Bible a bit, then I go into ten or fifteen minutes of like really trying to clear my mind and like being mindful of my breathing. And um, so like recently I read the passage. I I struggle with motivation and being hardworking at my yeah. job because yeah. I find my job very tedious sometimes. Yeah. So I'm trying to be more motivated. So some of my focus in meditation has been on being motivated. And I read in the scripture recently where Jesus said in John 4, he's like, um, he, I think he healed someone on the on the Sabbath. I think that was the situation. And um, uh, the, the Pharisees said, what are you doing working on the Sabbath? And he's like, I don't rest any day because just like, no, he's like, my father never rests and therefore I won't either. Um, so that was like, you know, uh, first of all, I thought that was crazy because he's. He's saying that God never rests, but God explicitly rests in Genesis on the Sabbath, right? Ah, (laughs) So that's why I was confused. I was like, wait a second. So I'm going to talk to my dad who knows a lot about the Bible about that. That's another topic in itself. Like, wait, but God does rest. What is, is Jesus defining the Old Testament? wrong. (laughs) No, or maybe he's showing like, yeah, Old Testament. No, I'm not going to get into that. That's going to make all sorts of biblical scholars upset. I I really don't know what Jesus is saying. I need to look into it more. But anyway, I was meditating on this idea of like work hard because God doesn't, you know, God, I mean, I don't. Maybe he does take breaks. I don't know, but I, I think he. The, the idea is that God doesn't take breaks, and and therefore Jesus doesn't. Therefore, I shouldn't. Like I should be a hard worker in my job. I should hmm. use my job to glorify my God by wow. working hard. Right. So yeah. I meditate and, and just soak in that thought. You know, like what Jesus said, and just the ambience and the like the vision of just what the situation would have been like after he healed the man and like. So you'd kind of like have it's weird. You Sometimes go into these weird trippy visions. And the thing I really want to talk about the trippiest thing of all. Is that I two weeks ago experienced um, like th- the most difficult to, d- to explain pleasurable experience in my brain? <laughs> like,
0: uh, please explain it though. Okay, like can. so, I was I sitting there to, meditating, hear, hear. ten
1: minutes of silence, like just trying to empty my brain, and like I'm just feeling like like kind of over my scalp and my head, and in my like kind of down my neck a bit, just like this. Like it's it's weird because you like. It's not sexual. It's not a sexual experience. I wasn't, like, aroused, but I felt, like, just this pleasure in my head, Mm -hmm. in my brain. Dopamine, I guess. But, no, I don't know more than just dopamine. I don't know. It was just really crazy, like, really, really nice, like, amazing, like, kind of like scratching a really, like, an itch that's been itching for a long time, and you scratch it, it feels really good. Like, that all over my head. So, I was tripping out, because I was like, this feels amazing. What's going on? And that happened to me, again, yesterday yesterday. When we were at this fundraising party for this downtown Eastside Youth Unlimited ministry, um, the professor of anthropology, Claudia, um, her, Davey, me, and this other girl, Catherine, we, we just got together to pray. And we were just in a circle praying, and then suddenly it came back, like just praying with this group of people, feeling the presence of God. Mm-hmm. I had this immense pleasure in my, in my head, and it's trippy, but the cool thing is, and this is actually eventually, this is how I discovered that I have typophobia, so I can, I'm can i going to get to that. It's all, it all comes back it around, is. right? <laughs> yes, it always does. But so today I was um looking into what that might have been, and I actually heard this in a podcast with Pete Holmes when he was live in Austin. He had this girl on stage with him named Emily Heller, and she went on this rant about how she goes on YouTube and she does this thing where she watches videos called... Um, crap, I'm going to forget the name now. Uh, a- ASMR. ASMR videos. So it's, it stands for, like, Automatic Sensory meridian response. Uh, okay. and I don't even know if the name the name's a bit odd. But basically um this is something that happens to a lot of people. There's things that trigger um this like pleasurable sensation that can happen in your brain. Doesn't happen to everyone, but it's like this and some people get confused and they they describe it as like a brain <laughs> orgasm, which is really weird, but mm-hmm. it's not at all that. Like that's that's not what it is but it's like this insanely pleasurable feeling you have in your in your brain and emily heller this girl she said that she spends hours and hours on youtube watching videos that trigger that response in her head and it's basically just videos of people like it's sound it's really weird and i've looked at some of these videos and it's hard, it just seems bizarre but it's like it's like a video where it's almost simulating you getting your face painted and so that it makes noises like soft noises like the And just like whispering, like the personal whisper, and these soft like noises and the whispering will like trigger that feeling in your head.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm just imagining what that would be like. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. So Uh, apparently it's a thing, and there's like a lot of people who are discovering they have this. And there's like it's that's what they call it now. It hasn't been scientifically studied a whole lot yet because it's only been recently recognized as like a phenomenon that a lot of people have. But. I'm realizing that might be what it is that I have, and then through reading an article about that, I heard about, I discovered typophobia. Wow. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, huh. so yeah, so meditating is crazy. It's beautiful, and you know, people might describe that sensation in different ways, but I feel like, it, just in my personal experience, it's like a, a beautiful way to connect with God, um, and worship Him. It's almost like a gift from Him in yeah. connecting and being still and worshiping Him.
0: I like that you mentioned. It feels like scratching an itch. Mm. you know that's pretty cool it's like and it's like it's like everyone has the itch and they don't even know that they have the itch. <laughs> yeah you know you don't even know you have the itch until it's scratched mm-hmm. you don't even know that you're empty until you're filled you know
1: well and and the thing is the sensation doesn't ever come unless you're doing something extremely relaxing so it's like you're scratching the wow. the itch of like stress and everything built up in yeah. your day and suddenly you're just like scratching that away in that stillness and in, in just being there to listen and to and that's kind of what meditation is, is it's just the listen listening portion of prayer it's where you decide to stop talking and you just shut off your brain and, and allow god to influence you and that's kind of what it is you're being still and you're, you're suddenly it's like your sensory perception of the holy spirit suddenly picks up and you're like oh
0: there he is yeah that's that's so good and, and specifically that you mentioned just that um uh, it's not something that we're doing you know it's not something that like we're not getting together in a circle and bringing the Holy Spirit or bringing God or, mm-hmm. or, or, True. or and the same with, with with meditative practices where where a lot of people are trying to climb some spiritual ladder through meditation to get to God. Mm-hmm. it's almost just like the Christian way I think is just is just an opening yourself to the presence of God, just saying just saying, "I know you're here, and then he just sort of shows up. Yeah, yeah and oh gosh now i'm getting like i'm feeling it because we got three people
1: you know (laughs) do you feel it podcast listener (laughs) The presence
0: of god is guaranteed (laughs) um, when there's three or more so now four including you podcaster (laughs) you are you listening with a friend now there's five of us oh but but um (laughs) but yeah god's god's here and he's always here always that's actually kind of mind-blowing you know like i played grand theft auto today for eight hours and the Holy Spirit was there the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah. That that part that guided your mother to be like, don't play Grand Theft Auto <laughs> of God was like watching <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Not just the Holy Spirit, the specific
0: incarnation of the Holy Spirit that prompted my mom to say, yeah. don't play that. <laughs> oh, that's so great. But, but again, to subjectivity, you know, I don't, I definitely don't feel like, when I was younger, I used to feel guilty, but I, I think it's actually got a really great storyline. I, I really enjoy it. So it, it's it, it, sometimes God is there in ways that uh, are unexpected. You know. Yeah. Sometimes he speaks to you through a South Park video or something. <laughs> um, probably not as clearly as you could. Speak. Unless
1: he's telling us that the Book of Mormon is dumb or something <laughs> through South Park. Especially. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> especially. The Book of Mormon,
0: actually. I probably won't include this, but this is an interesting story. I I, I picked up a, a book of Mormon. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to include this. Cause it, it, <laughs> it, but I picked up a book of Mormon from some Mormon missionaries who were, like, hanging out. And I brought it back to my house. And I'm not, like, a spiritually sensitive, you know, I walked into this house and I saw three demons right by their uh, copy of uh, um, <laughs> some bad movie that you're not supposed to play. <laughs> Um, I'm not like that. Right. Um, but some people are, but anyway, this book of Mormon, I just kind of threw it on, on, on the couch and left it there for weeks. And I, every time I walked into the living room, my, my eyes just sort of like jumped to it and I saw it and it just jarred me and kind of like a huh. creepy like prick to the, it was just like, uh, this feeling like kind of like your, your, uh, your gross pattern feeling. Ugh. That's the feeling I got when I saw it. I was like, uh, and I wasn't even reading it. I was just like, ugh like yeah. I'm and I was all like and this was this came from a place of like let's explore other things let's it wasn't a place of like let's show those mormons who's you know I just brought it into the house cuz I was like oh that will be kind of cool and I got just like Ugh. huh
1: and when so, you took it off the couch there's a burn mark underneath yeah <laughs> <laughs> burned uh, into the fabric
0: but 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 yeah so and that's a tricky one again because like we're saying in postmodern society there's other people that read the book of mormon and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you yep. could say, "Oh well, it's demons, you know, mm-hmm. it's only." De- and maybe it is, but but maybe it's not. I and don't know. Yeah,
1: it's, it's really hard to say definitively. And I'm at the place now where I'm not going to go to a Mormon and say, "Yeah, you're not following the right Jesus, man." Like, yeah. I like maybe maybe when I reconstruct, I'm going to narrow things down to the point where right. I'll be that person who goes out and proselytize <laughs> my specific view. But I, I please find it- please take
0: a giant banner. Yes. That
1: says turn or burn. Turn or burn. <laughs> and a megaphone and just <laughs> yeah, megaphone go at it. But yeah.
0: But f- but for now, what do we have? Subjective experience with Christ and a desire to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. If I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. That's a good thing. And I think that's all you need.
1: You know, having that faith where everything's figured out? Where you're not in this weird mm-hmm. kind of like transition, you don't really know yeah. what exactly you know. You're still you're not deconstructing or reconstructing, but like you know for a fact that Adam and Eve existed and that they, the fall was caused by biting from an apple. Like you know, like if if you have that simplistic understanding, then it's cool. It's powerful because you actually have this this ability. Like you're you're just you're way more inspired and way more. There, there's almost like more power in your in in your motivations. Um, and sure, they're often misled and causes all sorts of problems. But it's like you sure. care more and you actually want to share. Right. And you don't mind as much, like, telling someone, like, rebuking them um, if they're doing something that's bad for them or bad uh, for other people, you know? Right. So obviously, you really believe it. You firmly believe it. And
0: then and then yeah. you could have the conviction to say to that Mormon, because I actually have, like, a thing in my stomach now that was like, shouldn't have said Mormons are cool. Like, I legitimately, <laughs> like, seriously, like, I think maybe that's the, the ideal is to, to – to be in that place where you can actually say like, this book is poisonous.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, it's that- it's 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 good in the sense that it, like, it's good for your like. I don't know if it's the ideal. I don't know. I I mean, it's it's simple. It's 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 less stressful. You're probably statistically more likely to live longer because you don't have to mm. deal with the uncertainty. You know, you figured it out. Okay, Book of Mormon is bad. All Mormons mm. are bad. Now I have to try to convert them. It's simple. <laughs> There's no like, but what gray about area. constant.
0: What about constant frustration? Like fundamentalists that, that oh, I've yeah. talked to seem to have constant anger. You know, anytime someone comes in that's different, they, they get riled up and they say, no, 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 you're wrong. And, and and then they can't sleep until this
1: person agrees that they're right. Yeah. Like, and that's awful. And that's the that's where it's, it can be bad for your brain. But the yeah. funny thing is even people who have a very good intention have a lot of love. They still get this – Like, I, and I had this all my life until recently yeah. where – I, as soon as I hear that someone has a view that they don't follow Jesus, I suddenly feel this like stress build up inside of yes. me. Yes, I'm like, Oh man, how do I, like, Oh, i how, do, how, do, I, I how do I share the gospel to them? <laughs> yeah. How do I convert them? Like, I need to tell them that they're terrible sinners yeah. so that they, <laughs> they realize their depravity. Yeah. I need to help bring them <laughs> the down five steps or whatever. Yeah, that is, that method of... and I'm like, You know, I'm stressed. I'm thinking, How am I going to share the gospel with this person? Um, so like, I mean, that's great because I think sharing the gospel and having people come to Christ, even if it's simplistic faith it's still a million times better than like binge drinking in the park and being a nihilist right. or right. something. You know what I mean? So if
0: you're going to be a teenager, you know, <laughs> <laughs> be a religious, you know, snob and don't be a a wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe yeah. Oh, does the deconstruction lead to heavy drinking though? Is a heavy drinking a rite of passage through um, that you have to go through in order to reach this? I don't
1: know. (laughs) Well, I don't I think everyone, everyone needs to deconstruct. Everyone does, at some point in their life, deconstruct and reconstruct. So, um, someone who grew up in a non-Christian family and lived a hedonistic teenage lifestyle and then had a, uh, like, a born-again experience, Mm. they are deconstructing their entire view uh, and their entire perspective on life that guided them before and now they're suddenly reconstructing into a gospel-oriented view. And oftentimes, it can be very simplistic, very, like, categorized and very black and white understanding of the gospel and jesus but they've reconstructed into that and then that's the path that they've set out for the rest of their lives and that's like everyone goes through that like me i grew up in a christian family i grew up in a christian upbringing and it's been amazing great parents um but now i'm like forced to in a way deconstruct everything i'm not forced to i guess i guess you could i could have gone through life not and just like i don't know but i feel like i've it's almost like it had to happen where i've deconstructed Everything that I've grown up around, and now I have to rebuild it as my own. And I, I really, I, I believe
0: that God is the impetus for that deconstruction. Hmm. You know, or maybe you know the devil with a certain theology (laughs) that that includes the devil as like a pawn who does the Lord's work. You know, maybe it's a negative thing, but like, but like like in Job, like in Job, right? He was still an agent. Mm -hmm. of you know uh, for you know greater i don't even know what what the purpose of Job's suffering was but some (laughs) kind of greater knowledge of god um,
1: it was a darn good story (laughs) that was the purpose (laughs) yeah but but
0: um but yeah i think i think um there's levels and there's layers and richard Rohr talked about this in the podcast with pete holmes as well as well um there's layers to everything so so when you say the person that has that eats that they ate they ate an apple if you say they ate a banana you're wrong they ate an apple like you know like (laughs) we have to fight about this um and then they go but but that faith really works for them for a Mm -hmm. while and it's really helpful so that's the first layer of of it's the literal and it doesn't say apple but use your own example Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um um it's the first layer the literal kind of layer of scripture yeah um but then but then that deconstruction can kind of break open the the next layer the the uh, um, allegorical you know where like everything means something else and it's not literal but but there's this whole other world out there of like this symbolizes that and this connects to that and this means this in my life and it doesn't mean that in his life and mm-hmm. um so so I think in in that sense um, we can get a fuller kind of picture
1: mm-hmm. and it's cool because you see that in individual lives like where this might happen in my life where I have to deconstruct and reconstruct. But you also see that societally, like in, in the history of humanity, right. you know. It's like it wow. seems to be this thing that – and you can see that in the Bible, you know. Like the, the primitive Old Testament understanding yeah. of God was like, well, he says that we don't – you know, if we if we steal a woman in a battle because we killed her husband, then, you know – it's like, we get to have her as a slave, but, you know, if, if she doesn't work for us and we're not proud about it, we can just let her go. Like, that that was right. the that was the moral law back then, yeah. but it's progressed in the and, scriptures. And not only though.
0: that, but they thought that God, like, God introduced himself as a God among gods, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of gods out here, I'm the true God, worship me, yeah. right? But he affirmed, he, he's kind of like, you know, the true God amidst all of these other gods, right? And then slowly, he's like, no, 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 they're, they're actually just dumb idols they don't they're not actually gods at all Uh you know and slowly uh deconstructs all those things too
1: yeah yeah so it's i mean i guess this is where my inner progressivist kind of comes out and reveals itself but i don't know i see like you look at like back in the hundred years war the the war between catholics and protestants where they killed people killed each other over whether or not jesus was literally in the bread or not you know and then and then you know luckily society has gone to the point where we're not doing that anymore and i th- and that happens it's in individualized like blog posts about each other yeah <laughs> yeah passive aggressive yeah passive aggressive catholic blog posts and <laughs> protestant yeah, blog protestant posts blogs, yeah yeah yeah
0: but we're heading we're heading somewhere and
1: yeah and and i think a lot of people would be very uncomfortable with that and i i yeah. used to have the mentality that we're no we're heading straight into the pits like society is just getting yeah, worse and, and worse fundamentalist perspective too. yeah and it very much is you yeah. know and and i i don't really see that as much as i used to like yeah. i do think that there's a lot of sadness in society and I, I think that it's i think humans might be getting sadder like as in like we don't find personal fulfillment as much anymore but um overall moral morally people seem to be acting better than they would have in the medieval ages you know and um I don't know. So, wow. that's a whole other conversation. What yeah. is progress? Different types of progress, is, is material progress, heresy? huh? Things are getting better. Yeah, I like that. That's a good segue because I really didn't know what to say. My my heresy was. Okay. It seems like all my heresies have been stated already in this, in this series. <laughs> yeah, no, this uh, has
0: been amazing though, and there's so much stuff in here that that we mentioned that you know is pretty, um, but questionable and 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 um potentially inflammatory or what is the word? Controversial. Uh, oh, yeah, controversial. Yeah. The
1: thing is, though, I mean, saying that society is going to progress and that we're not actually, you know, de-progressing, what's, <laughs> Degressing? Regressing. De-gra- regressing. Re- regressing yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's actually not uh, heresy, really, because it depends what, what church you come from. Like, the social gospel, which was taught in, like, well, very popular in, like, the 1920s yeah. and before that in the Depression era right. was very much a gospel. It was before, like, um dispensationalism really took hold but it was the idea you know that through Christ and through the church society will continue to progress until the kingdom of god is fully at hand on earth yeah. and that's kind of right. actually what i believe so it's it's not really a heresy it's just a different look at you know, end times theology and stuff like right, that. Like, I don't the think theology. it's going to get worse and worse till it's absolute chaos and then God has to intervene. I think
0: a dragon th- comes from the sky and there's like seven years and the sky goes black and <laughs> have the people go up to the earth and there's a big battle. And yeah, and we have troop. to support the state of Israel yeah, exactly. so that they, they take the tr- their original the borders Jerusalem, yep, back up. Kick out those Palestinians. Why? That's so, that's so <laughs> wonderful, though, because you get certainty with that, you know? You get the. That things will progress? No, no, no. If the 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 crazy sorry the, the, the dispensational the caricature that we yeah. made is not ac- very accurate but um, that one is fun because there's certainty there you oh know? yeah you no know, and like, it's great you don't sometimes, actually sometimes even know like roughly the amount of years till it
1: happens oh for sure <laughs> that's the thing it's so easy right? yeah. it's so good because it's like you don't have the stress or anxiety of like well I don't know when it's happening it's comfortable yeah, yeah.
0: but but things are getting better and that's and that and that's that's your heresy
1: i guess so is that i don't see the pro like the (sighs) scientific progress um just the fact that you look at a a country that's (sighs) this might sound eurocentric but you look at something like the the people of sweden and and you compare them to like maybe another third world country not to say that there's one culture is better than another or that one people group or ethnicity is better than another but it's just that there seems to have been more societal progress in countries like Sweden um, to the point where, like, there's... It, it just seems to be more compassion generally within the society. There seems to be more love and and care for those mm. who are in need and, like, looking out for each other al- almost as, like, you know, it's just ingrained in the psyche of the people in yeah. that society. Whereas, like, when my parents were missionaries in Africa, um, in Equatorial Guinea... Yeah, um, state of If I'm going to choose any country to pick on, at least, you know, it's tiny, no one's heard of it, Equatorial <laughs> Guinea, but, like... <laughs> It's just it, – corruption was rampant and, like, nothing could get done. No, not even infrastructure could get built because there was, like, constant, mm. you know, selfishness everywhere and greed and, like, no one re- – Like, I mean, there, that being said, the sense of family and, the you know, there's so many right. amazing yeah. traits that African – that Equatorial Guinean what, culture has. What
0: takes a country from that third world, every man for himself, kind of uh, run by – what takes it from that to – a western oh you know lovely what this is, is
1: there's gonna be some like the most annoying simplistic answer but i totally think it's jesus <laughs> in the sense that like um i think christianity played i think because of christianity right. you know i think right in the sense you know that the, like jesus is progressing humanity yeah through the church because if like you look at the influence that like Christianity is, you can't deny that, you know, the effect that Christianity has had on on Western society, on, on developing rule of law, you know, and all the philosophers, like, I mean, yeah, I, it's just, it just seems beautiful to me to see how um, this this understanding of compassion and caring for mm-hmm. others, and, and even love, deciding like to separate mentioned. church and state, originally that was a religious movement, totally. you know, like, what well, <laughs> was the Science, Anabaptists, and
0: the Project, project Pro Progress of science, too, was a very Christian thing, and first hospitals yeah, were... the first Catholics
1: universities, and, like, Harvard, yep. that was Christian. Oxford, that was yep. Christian, you know? Like, I... I again, like, uh, this is... Yeah, there's all, all sorts of critiques, we could say. Yeah, I mean. all sorts, but that's... They
0: were, they were really Christians, they just had to be Christian, because everyone in that time mm-hmm. who was Christian would kill them if they didn't believe...
1: But yeah, in that sense, I wish I could be a proselytizer, because I think that if, if people were came, came to know Jesus personally, even if it was a very simplistic faith, yeah. if, if more and more people came come to know Jesus, then they, their lives turn around, and then they yes. influence, through ripple effect, their generations yeah. after them. And then, and then through that, people become more compassionate, and they choose to love more. And then eventually it builds a society where, well, like now, we're pretty much spiritually empty. Like you look at places like France. Mm. It built the f- society of France, where now they're spiritually empty, unfortunately, which is terrible. Um, yeah. But they have a society that actually does really care for people, and I don't know. I think that maybe even France would progress to the point where they start to find God through spirituality. Um, I don't know. Probably wow. <laughs> that sounds really universalistic because I don't know if they would ever be Christian. I don't know.
0: Who who knows, man? The, these are the tough questions. When it, I guess when it gets to that point where you're saying, um, you know, does God is God still progressing a society that doesn't acknowledge God? Um,
1: hmm. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? That's the but thing. We have material and scientific progress, but s- not a whole lot of spiritual progress. Yeah. Like North America seems to be getting yeah. less and less spiritual. We have a new iPhone
0: every 6 months. Yeah. But and we no have no new uh uh, you know, way to have a better family or mm-hmm. no uh tools to, with which to stop being addicted to your
1: iPhone. Yeah. So I don't know. Um but I, I do. That's that's actually that might be my heresy, I guess, is that I, I, I'm hopeful in the fact that I do believe that even if, even if it's not orthodox traditional Christianity, I do think that society will progress spiritually. I think that people will feel this spiritual hunger, and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna search for it more. And I think they're gonna find. I mean, I don't know. It could end up that they end up New Agey, but I think that. I but think people will find Christ in, in some way totally. or another and they will share him because that's, that's true yeah. spiritual fulfillment. Cause that's
0: yeah, and, and you know, there's new agey, but there's also like if someone has a legitimate – this is something my mom told me to actually, which really kind of surprised me. The question at their coffee break, which is like a woman's group um, at the church, um, was can people find peace without God? Right. Mm-hmm. And and they were wrestling with it and like, well, I have a Buddhist friend who's like really peaceful and in, in giving, you know, and his new age philosophies and, and, and ideas that waken you up to to stuff. And and my mom's answer was um, the question is this. That's the same question is, can people breathe without God? Right. Like, can can you can you breathe without God? Well, the answer to that is, no, you can't. Um, can. Can you breathe without acknowledging it's God who gives you breath? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. right? And so perhaps perhaps then the call of the Christian in sort of a spiritual society is not to say, do you know how sinful you are? And like and like first I have to like, I don't think that's the the, the call. I think the call is to say, like when this person says, "I discovered this thing that's really, really powerful, like the universe gave me a sign of this and that really spoke to me that and, and you go like, cool, do you know what his name is? Yeah. is Jesus. The Logos, the
1: universe mm-hmm. in the flesh. And I think it's, if North America is getting spiritually dry, it's not it's because Christ, the church has almost been taking the wrong approach in some ways because, I mean, I see what Rob Bell is doing right now. And the way he's affecting people's lives in the secular mm. world mm. through engaging and, and going on stage with, like, comedians who tend to be crass and stuff like that, you know, by, by sharing his perspective of the gospel in this way that's so presentable and so appealing to people um, and going to them where they are, um, it, it really does seem to resonate with people. So, yeah, it's... And, and what I mean by wrong approach is it's like, yeah, that whole idea that, no, we have to tell them they're sinners and then uh like they'll
0: figure it out if they don't already know like they'll figure it out i think mm-hmm. but they already know you know like at the end of the day you get a guy to like tell you he's not going to tell you like his deepest darkest secret because you know it's, it's he knows mm. you know it's day it's dark he doesn't want to share
1: that like yeah <laughs> Don't forget to read your
0: Bible, people. Dave die. said he forgot to read his Bible one night and killed six people. That's his deep dark <laughs> secret. That's so good. I feel like that's a good podcast episode.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm feeling like <laughs> uh a lot of this was just me pouring stuff out without previously having thought a lot about it and put down written down notes and stuff, so i guess that's the beauty of it yeah is that's i'm still figuring this out this isn't set in stone it's not my belief system i'm sure people heard stuff that i said and were like oh that's wrong and sure i mean yeah called <laughs> yes, me out when we and yeah we see. had
0: some good comments actually
1: because i love learning about the stuff the problem with me and this is the thing i've noticed myself is that uh i well i don't know i listen to all these opinions out there and i listen to these great thinkers and i love l- seeing what they have to say but when it comes to me articulating what I've decided to start believing based on what I've heard from other people, I can never articulate it nearly as well. Right. So it's it becomes this like like when someone presents it's like you know how, you know, Marx brought Marx brought communism to the world, but then all his followers ruined it. You know yeah. it's that same idea. I'm one of those followers who's <laughs> ruining, <laughs> you know, like so when I try to explain all these thoughts, I basically ruin them. But um you know what I mean, but to me they feel true. To me they're powerful. I couldn't explain them in a way that's convincing. So,
0: well, no, I I, I was convinced, and there was some really awesome stuff in there, man, and some stuff to think at, at the very least to like stick into people and kind of prod and poke and and kind of kind of get at. And I I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but 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 this is um. I think I've told you and I've told you, Dave, like what my heart was for the show was um the reason heresy is such a big part of it is Mm because i want to know people where they're at you know and i want to know people not ideas right and so this is like a community uh conversation that's happening and it's meant to kind of stir things up and have a good time so that's all to say well done thanks for coming on the show
1: thanks eric